welcome to Dog Logical. I'm your host, Renee Rhodes, the behavior and training specialist behind R Plus Dogs. Here at Dog Logical, I hope to make sense of your dog's behavior and give you insight that gives you the best relationship possible. If you'd like to know more about me or you're looking for your next dog professional to work with, you can find me at rplusdogs.com. And with that, let's get into the podcast. Hi guys, and welcome to the podcast. Today we're gonna be talking about multi-dog households, but more specifically, how to achieve multi-dog household success. So if you've been itching to add a second dog to your family, or maybe you've already jumped the gun and added your second, third, or fifth dog, this podcast aims to give you really great information about not only managing your dogs, but having the best relationships possible between both the dogs and with you. When people like to ask me about my thoughts on adding a second dog, I often say that it's not only doubling the time because you're adding that additional dog, but tripling the time. This is because you should aim to spend time with your dogs individually as well as together. So we need to carve out time for one-to-one and then family time. This is really important because if you're adding another dog to your family, you really need to bond with that dog. Spend time getting to know them. Appreciate what they're like as an individual so that you can cater to their needs more successfully. It's important to spend time with your dogs individually, but it's really important for them to spend time together too. So just like we bond in a one-to-one outing, your dogs are going to bond or hopefully bond when they're out together. So one thing that you'll almost never hear me mention when it comes to multiple dogs is the term pack. When we use the term pack, it often relates to hierarchies or more like alpha dominant issues. Dogs live in very fluid structures if they live with other dogs. And what I mean by that is there is no dominant dog or superior dog. Dogs are scavengers and they're opportunistic. So when we have a resource, maybe like a bone, you'll see a conversation happening between the dogs if you look carefully. Where we run into conflict is when two dogs want a resource equally. Or maybe there's some stress around having that item. So the dogs feel protective, maybe of themselves or losing that resource. But when you have multiple dogs, these are happening all of the time. We only tend to notice when something goes a little sideways. I also feel like using the term pack negates the fact that my dogs are individuals. The term kind of lumps all dogs together. So often when you hear me referring to my own dogs, I will refer to them by name, or I might say a very cutesy term like my boys. And even between my own dogs, there are some resources which have maybe equal value, but it depends on the day. My job is to manage those situations and make sure that my dogs are as comfortable as possible and not feeling like there is a conflict around a resource. But equally, don't feel bad if you use the term pack as maybe an endearing term for your multiple dogs, as long as you understand that dogs aren't pack animals. 
They are social and they could enjoy the company of other dogs, but it's not a hard and fast rule. And if you've ever watched dogs play, they usually buddy up. So there's two dogs playing. You might have that third dog waiting just on the outskirts, waiting for his chance to join the fun. And that's what happens with our dogs generally in households. You know, if they strike gold and they really like the other dog, they buddy up. But it doesn't always happen. Next, I'd like to just take a minute and bust some myths about multi-dog households. The first one is, will my dogs be best friends? The short answer is maybe. So the analogy of the roommate where you might strike gold and you might find somebody who you really like, but equally you might not. So it's hard to say a hard and fast rule that if you get another dog, your current dog is going to welcome them with open arms. Your dogs could end up snuggling on the couch together, but it takes a lot of management, time, and really making sure that you nurture that relationship. But even still, they might just tolerate each other. The next myth is, will a second dog help with my dog who has separation-related distress or separation anxiety? It's really hard to tell on this one because there are several forms of separation-related distress. So if your dog just doesn't want to be alone, your second dog might provide that. But again, considering, does your first dog really like the second dog? Maybe not. So have you just added more stress to your home? And also remembering that dogs aren't pack animals. So just adding another one in doesn't mean that your first dog is going to be like, oh, thank God there's another dog here. I feel great now. I generally tell people if you're having behavior concerns with your first dog, more often than not, it's best to address those behavior concerns, get your dog to a really good place, and then if you think adding a second dog is a good idea, that's something that you can explore. But don't look at it as a remedy for an issue that you're already having. The next myth is it's no different from having one dog. I already kind of touched on this, but I'm going to give a big fat no to that answer. So for me, adding a second dog was a lot more work and it completely shifted the household, both the environment and our scheduling, what was required of me as both a professional and an individual person. Generally, when people ask me this one, I say, is having one child the same as having two or three? You really have to get to know those dogs as individuals. And again, dividing of time, making sure that you have the commitment level as well as the time and the dedication and the money and the patience for another dog. Not to mention further expenses. So you have to consider training, veterinary bills, you know, the toys, the treats, the food, all that kind of stuff. Having a second dog or third dog is another commitment. So yes, it is absolutely different from having just one dog. The next myth is that your dog needs to be with its own species. So dogs have been domesticated for thousands of years to be the perfect companion for us. I would say no to this one. 
More often than not, the dog really needs social time with us than they do with other dogs. Now, that's not to say that social time with other dogs isn't good or healthy, but again, it really depends on your individual dog. Nero, for instance, loves spending time with other dogs. It's probably more fun for him than even spending time with me sometimes. While Lycan really wants to spend time with me, and, you know, he might investigate another dog, say hello, maybe play for a few minutes, but I'm the center of his universe. And this also falls back into the other myth of getting a second dog if your dog has separation-related distress. So again, your dog doesn't necessarily need another dog. They really need help working through that behavior concern. A great myth is, should I get siblings? Does my dog need to be with one of its siblings? Again, if you have the time, energy, commitment, money, all the resources for a second dog, then go ahead and get that second dog. But don't get a sibling if you're not prepared for two dogs. And also remember that dogs are individuals. So even between litters, you can have multiple different kinds of personalities. So it doesn't mean that you're basically getting a carbon copy of the same dog. You could have two very different dogs. And the last myth we're going to address is, should you get dogs of opposite sex? And there was a very good extensive study in 2020 about intra-household aggression. The biggest takeaways from this study is that 70% of the pairs included a female, while the highest rate of aggression was noted between same-sex pairs. So that was female-female households had the most noted aggression. The aggressors were found to be younger, heavier, and more recently added to the family dynamic. The biggest comorbidity factor was anxiety. And two very interesting points from this study were that 23% of those surveyed said the triggers were inescapable. So that meant that in the time that they had these dogs and the concerns that they were having with the intra-household aggression, they couldn't avoid the triggers. So these were bound to happen regardless. That's really important because that 23% is essentially day-to-day events. And the last point was that early professional intervention was key to improving the behavior situation between those intra-household aggression cases. Let's talk a little bit about what it's like to have an additional dog. That day-to-day event or you know, the experiences that you might encounter with that additional family member. So watching the relationships between your current dog and new dog develop can be beautiful. It can be heartwarming. It can be so much fun. And let's face it, when it goes right, oh, it is the best thing in the world. But to be honest, having multiple dogs is really just a lot of management. Management, if you haven't heard the term before, is setting your dog up for success. So tools like baby gates, crates, pens, even things like just the doors in your house or windows, these can be tools that we use to help keep our dogs safe, 
but also to manage space, especially when you have multiple dogs, making sure that each dog has their own individual space that they can go to is really important for harmonious living. A lot of times we think of management with puppies. So trying to keep puppies from things that they're not supposed to get to or things that you don't want them to get to. But management continues on until adulthood. And to me, management is just a part of having multiple dogs or one dog in some cases. So in our house, for instance, we have things like baby gates in place. Our baby gates are used to restrict access. So what that looks like is on a maybe fairly routine event day, we might have Lycan who is investigating Nero's bed. Maybe he's sniffing around for little bits of food, or maybe he's just having a general sniff. Possibly he could even be doing that because he wants to elicit some response from Nero. But Nero's sleeping, so I need to make sure that I am managing the situation and intervening for Nero so that he's not disturbed while sleeping. What I will do in those situations is I will usually ask Lycan to go into his room. And his room is separated to the rest of the room by a baby gate. So we have a cue for this to make sure that Lycan is super happy and comfortable to go into the room when I ask him to. That cue is in and he runs into his room. While he's in his room, I will give him something to do, right? Because he's looking for something to do. Here's something to do. Enrichment, generally. Or if I feel like he needs maybe some social time with me or something else, then I will assess that situation and decide what I have time management wise and based on his needs. But liking going into that space and then being separated by the baby gate means that Nero gets to sleep. So he's not disturbed and it doesn't result in some kind of altercation or Nero feeling negative about his interactions with Lycan. Now, there are things that my dogs do together, and then there are things that they do separately. And management really helps them keep those separate activities and keep that harmony that I'm really trying to sustain. Management is fantastic for keeping the dogs separate during key times of the day or activities. Things like eating, sleeping, most enrichment-based stuff like chews, maybe play or toys. It just means that the dogs can have that time to do what they would like to do without the pressure of the other dog. Another way that I keep the dogs happy is I don't leave them unsupervised. So if no one's in the house or no one is able to watch them, they are not together freely. Now, for some dogs, this might be perfectly fine and you might feel comfortable leaving them alone. But again, I have two very different personalities in my family. So I don't want to take the chance that something might happen. And again, when you're meeting the needs of the individual dog, you'll have less and less tension. So Lycan is very happy to go in his space. He has things to do in there. He finds it relaxing. And then equally, Nero is able to relax and have a bit more freedom. Things that my dogs do together are, again, being supervised in the house. I'm happy for them to be out free, moving around, absolutely fine. Any outings that we do outside of the home, 
those are going to be things that the dogs will do together. Again, I really enjoy one-to-one -one time with my boys and feel that it's an important element when you have multiple dogs. But again, they need to have that time to be able to bond together. And a lot of that happens through play. The dogs also go to the backyard together. They go potty together. Or just generally, if we're out in the yard, everyone's out, the dogs are out together. They have their own individual space, and we're lucky enough to have enough yard that they can do individual events if they would like to. Now, Lycan sleeps in a crate overnight, and this is important for him because he's prone to barking. So another element of management for him and for everyone else in the house is he sleeps in a covered crate. Along with management, we need to make sure that we're providing enough resources for our dogs. So if you don't allow your dogs on the couch and maybe sleeping on the floor isn't very comfortable, you need to make sure that there are enough beds, nice, good beds in your home for your dogs to relax on. Because when dogs are having to share resources like beds, this can lead to a lot of underlying tension. Plus, if the beds aren't good enough and your dogs aren't getting enough good sleep, this, of course, is going to lead to problems in the house. I personally don't leave resources like toys and bones and things out all the time because, well, it's for a few reasons, really. Number one, I don't want to create any resource guarding issues. I have a shepherd in the house who is already prone to guarding issues. So if I leave things out, you know, my dogs might be having some underlying tension around a resource. The other part of that is that I want to be able to provide a rotating amount of items for the dogs. So when the toy comes out or when the basket comes down, this is, wow, oh, thank goodness, this is down and we can engage with these toys now. So just like us, you know, if things are out all the time, they tend to get a little bit boring. So if you aren't already picking up your toy box, I would highly suggest that you do. Same thing with chews. I don't leave chews out all the time, but I rotate through them and make sure that the dogs are getting something really fun and new, even if it's not new. I wanted to give you some information in this podcast about what to do when things go wrong, because as much as we can prepare and as much as we would like it to be, things do go wrong and that's bound to happen from time to time. So if your dogs have an altercation, please do not put your hands or your body in the middle of that. Use something in your environment to divide the dogs. A book, a chair, a cushion, something. Don't put your hands in the mix because you're more often than not going to get physically assaulted. From that point, you want to separate the dogs immediately. Take them to different rooms, different areas of the house, whatever you have available, but make sure that they are not just in the same space together. From there, you want to give the dogs a few days to decompress. Let all of those stress hormones die down and just let the dogs have that space and time to calm and not be persuaded to get them back together immediately. When you do introduce them, try to introduce them outside, maybe between a barrier. Depending on the size of the dogs, I would say a fence would be perfectly fine. Or if you don't have that available, keep them on a nice long lead and let them see each other at a distance. You can do something fun. So maybe like play some games or just scatter some food, letting them just be in the environment together without physically able to get to each other. 
You could even go on a parallel walk, making sure to keep the dogs at a separate distance. But again, they're in the environment together, doing something that isn't focusing on the dogs interacting directly. Once you start to bring them back inside the house, provide them with a separate area so maybe they can see each other. A baby gate would be perfect for something like this. You can reward the dogs for any calm behavior that you see, and if you see any tension, try to mitigate that by separating the dogs again. You could even do a little bit of counter conditioning, so some food when the dogs look at each other. Just make sure that that food or resource isn't too close to the other dog while you're giving it, because that in itself can cause some tension. It's really important that while your dogs are decompressing, you decompress too. And that will be time that I would take to assess what went wrong. Where were the mistakes in that? Generally, I find that it's the human error. So again, we weren't having management in place. Maybe we were pushing the relationship a little too quickly. If this is a relationship where it has been stable for a significant amount of time and the behavior you would classify as odd, I would definitely have that dog checked out by the vet. Potentially even both dogs checked out by the vet if they haven't been for a while. The number one thing that I would say or suggest when your dogs have an altercation is to bring in a professional immediately. Even if you think it's just a one-off, even if you think you can handle it, please contact someone because Oftentimes, we are very poor at understanding our dog's behavior. So you might think, oh, that was just a little tiff over a bone, whereas a professional coming in could give you lots of tips and advice on how to prevent that from happening again and make sure that your dogs are having the best time possible living together. Good relationships come in all different forms. But what's imperative in a multi-dog household is that each individual dog is happy, fulfilled, and cared for. That their needs are being met according to who they are as a dog. I know that in my professional capacity, a lot of times the issues that I see with multi-dog households is treating the dogs as one, doing all of the things together. The resources aren't enough. We're looking at a dog as you know, just fitting into an already existing situation. And that's just not fair. That being said, sometimes things don't work out. And maybe you made the wrong choice. And that's okay. I often say to people who have to make the decision to rehome a dog that they are brave because it takes a lot of love to not only say, I care for you, I see you as an individual, but also I love you enough to do the best thing for you. Obviously, we try to make it work, but sometimes relationships fail or the situation just isn't right. The context of what's going on is too much for that dog. So at the end of the day, doing what's right for an individual dog is a case-by-case basis. And there should be no shame about rehoming a dog if you feel like that's the appropriate measure. If you are seriously considering adding another dog into your family at this time, I would ask you to look at these four components. 
and be honest and truthful with yourself. Number one, time. How much time do you have to give? A good barometer for this is how much time do you dedicate to the dog that you currently have? If it's a lot of time or if your dog has maybe a lot of needs, you might run into a lack of time with the second dog and then one dog is missing out. If you're currently struggling with behavior concerns for your first dog, I would say this is not the time to add a second dog. Really focus on your first dog as an individual and make sure that they are feeling confident and comfortable with any of the behavior concerns that they have. Always put your desire to have another dog behind your individual dog's needs at the moment. And remember, adding additional dog isn't doubling your time, it's actually tripling your time. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about time constraints. The second one is space. So looking at how much resource as far as division of space do we have for that second dog? Is there space for that dog to go off and be off on their own? Maybe you're thinking about getting a large breed dog. Do you already have a large breed dog? Do you have enough resources as far as couches, beds, floor space, even additional rooms? We were lucky enough to have a room that we primarily didn't use, and that became Lycan's room. I would say that management of space is probably the most important aspect when coming to deciding if you're going to have a second dog. Do you have the space and also are you able to put up management in place? Adding another dog is generally a very emotionally charged situation, but I would ask you to look at this very realistically. I would classify management in with space. So again, do we have the ability to divide space up to make sure that each dog has a great space that they can just relax in, not be disturbed, and almost a place to call their own? The third is breed or activity level. Having a very sedate dog with maybe a working line dog can be more of a challenge. But equally, if you have two high drive dogs, they're going to play off of each other a lot more than maybe two sedate dogs would. Now, this can kind of coincide with meeting your dog's needs. So if you're not meeting your dog's needs and say you have two high drive dogs, it's almost a recipe for disaster. But equally, if you had two more sedate dogs and you're still not meeting those dogs' needs, that also can be a recipe for disaster. I always like to educate that breed type is more of a guideline. I mean, don't be surprised if you get a working line German Shepherd and he happens to be high drive. Hmm, funny that. But we also look at dogs as individuals. So you may think you're getting a high drive dog if you get a working line German Shepherd, but you may find that your dog's drive isn't as high as maybe you anticipated. Still, it's very important to keep breed type in consideration when you're thinking about adding an additional dog because we don't want to add an additional dog who might conflict with the environment that we already have created for our first dog. And the last one is resources. Do you have enough resources readily available to care for another dog? And the last one is resources. Again, adding an additional dog can be a very emotionally charged event. So we have to think about this with our head. Are you able to provide everything that another dog needs, independent of the dog that you already have? 
when we look at the dog as an individual and the potential of another individual, we need to make sure that we can care for that dog in the best way possible. Something that we haven't discussed is the relationship that you might have with the dog. So I think sometimes we have the best intentions with adding another dog, but you may find that the dog that you add isn't maybe the dog that you expected to get. Again, we're looking at the dog as an individual, so our idea might be very different from reality. Some people can struggle with the fact that their second dog isn't like their first dog. So I would ask that if you are prepared to add another dog to your life, you must be prepared to love that dog as an individual. So for me, if you look at all four of those components and you can answer them wholeheartedly and honestly and feel like, yes, definitely, I can commit to all of those different areas, I am ready for another dog. At the end of the day, your desire to add an additional dog to the family is an absolutely individual one, but I do hope that this episode has given you some food for thought around additional dogs and maybe given you a little window into if you haven't already added an additional dog or had two dogs, what that's going to look like for you. Are you looking for your next dog professional, but you're not sure that you have a trainer in your area that you can trust? Or maybe you're not sure where training can fit into your schedule. With my virtual dog training services, you don't need to worry about either of those issues. Virtual dog training is easy, convenient, and best of all, highly effective. You get to train your own dog, and you get the information, the guidance, and the support that you need in order to do so. So if you've been looking for your next dog professional, I would love to work with you. To find what services I offer, go to rplusdogs.com.